Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil. This is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. You know what to do. You know what I'm going to ask. Like and subscribe, five-star review, blah, blah, blah. You already know it, so I would appreciate it. It would really help me out. But the reason we're all here today, my incredible guest, Kathleen Rawls, empowerment leader, author, educator, entrepreneur. Some may say she's even a doctor. Kathleen, how are you doing today? I am excellent, Michael. How are you? It's a great day to be alive, isn't it? The weather's it finally is. starting to warm up. We had winter for like a couple extra days here in New Jersey, which kind of pissed me off a little bit, but we're coming right out of it. Mm-hmm. We're back in, back in springtime, so I'm very excited about it. Kathleen, I'm excited to talk to you today, all the things that you've done in your life, all the things that you are doing, all the things that are going to be happening in about a month, publishing a book, I hear. Mm-hmm. More importantly, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, Kathleen, why do you love sports so much? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so much fun, obviously. <laughs> um, sports was my way to connect with people. Uh, I'm kind of a shy, introverted person, though I won't seem like that in the podcast because I love the one-on-one conversation. Um, but it was a great way for me to to make friends right away in school. Um, I'm tall. I'm 5'10", so people ask me if I play basketball or volleyball. Didn't I was on the basketball team. I was on the team. Uh, didn't play I, volleyball. <laughs> I catch what you're putting. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yes. I'm more of a field hockey softball girl. So, I mean, I am athletic. Um, I still play in a field hockey league um, and uh, I'm a runner and things. But anyway, just um, I love the, the the connections that I can make in sport. I love just getting out and setting goals for myself. Um, I am 44 years old. So my goals are a little bit different than they were when I was like 14, but uh, still setting goals, still enjoying myself and still getting better. So. That's what we're trying to do. 1% better every single day, man. We're going to all be incredible out here. I mean, I, and I think that's really interesting. First off, didn't know they still had like field hockey leagues for adults. That's interesting. Oh, I barely yes. knew they had field hockey leagues for children, let alone adults. Still, so that's <laughs> funny. And I actually still play softball occasionally too. Might be a couple beer involved. Might be nice and slow pitch. We're here to have a good time. But mm-hmm. we always have a good time, which is the important part. And that's why we do it. But it that's, that's like how most people like – that's how I gained most of my friends, right? Like playing sports at a young age. There was those people that, you know, you'd go to a school, right? And you'd either play on, at recess or you'd, you know, play in the rec leagues and the travel teams. And you're with people a lot. What does misery love? A little bit of company. You're always around <laughs> each other. You're always doing the same things. Uh, it was it was always pretty crazy. So I guess like what, what about sports, right? Like all that stuff's great and dandy and it's fun, right? It's cool when you're 14, but mm-hmm. coming out of college uh, and, you know, we talked a little bit about this before you you were a sports writer for a bit. Like what, what made you want to get into the business side of sports knowing like, hey, you know, I was on the basketball team. Let me just clarify that one more time. <laughs> I don't know if I could get too much further than that. So like yeah. what was it about sports that not only did you want to be a part of it, but you wanted to make it your your career and your livelihood moving forward? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think part of it for me is not wanting to give up on the things I really enjoyed. Um, I think, you know, being a professional athlete was not in my future. Um, and I didn't know that for a long time. I really held on to that dream. <laughs> you know, I really wanted to play left field for the Red Sox for a very long period of time. I loved Jim Rice growing up and I thought, you know, I can play the wall, like no problem. I was but, gonna say that, that wall is a little difficult. Are you? Okay. Yeah. All right. But I thought I was up for it, Michael, you know, I'm like, I just, you know, practice. So, um, so when I was, you know, heading into my professional career and looking into sports, I started writing at the UMass Daily Collegian. And, um, you know, there were lots I could write for news. I love 
politics. I was a history teacher for a long time. I'm super into current events, uh, which is really a silly statement. Yeah, sorry to hear that. But sorry <laughs> to hear that. yeah, no, sorry. We won't, we won't, we don't have to go there. Um, but I think just like the, the fun part of, of promoting other people who are um, setting goals, other people who are pursuing their dreams um, I'm digging into the why, you know, when I was writing, I really enjoyed the feature stories of sitting down and talking with someone and understanding, you know, what it was that drove them to come to practice that made them better, how they respond to coaches, how they respond to teammates, how they pick themselves up. You know, um, a couple of, I play in a, my women's field hockey league and, um, Last night, actually, we had a, a sub come play and she plays for Boston College. I'm exactly twice her age. Um, and Sounds I was, like a ringer, too. That doesn't sound very fair. You know, we, we were going to play short otherwise. So what, what were we supposed to do? Say no. Um, and she came out. And um, anyway, so, um, you know, we're playing, you know, we play in this league, we play in this team and we, you know, it's just a way for us to continue to do the things that we love. So it's kind of this, this side Side error, and I totally went off on a sidetrack here from your question, but you're doing great. Um, yeah, um, and still, what I'm thinking about is how good she was. We were joking, we're like, you could play with one arm and still win the game for us, but oh, yeah, so anyway, so we actually went down, you know, we were down a few goals, we just didn't know how to play with her yet. We were just still trying to, like, kind of the aura hadn't fallen off, and um, I think in sports, you know, like you have to play the clock out, <laughs> and I always admire that. You know, you're sitting there and you're like, the game is over, you've you know, basketball, you're down 40 points. You're not coming back. There's a minute 29 left, but you can't walk off the court. And I think in so many other areas of your life, you know, or if you haven't played sports, you're like, well, I'm done. I'm going to quit. I'm over. And you just can't do it. You can't walk off the field. You can't leave your coaches. You can't leave your teammates. Um, I think, I don't know. I'm always impressed by that. People who you have to hang in there. It's a really important lesson in life. It, it really is. And I've never actually gotten that answer before, which I think is really cool. And, and it, it's a great point, right? So, you know, baseball is one of my favorite sports mm -hmm. because there is no clock. Like there is no time limit. A nine inning game could take two hours. doesn't anymore. It would be nice. Nine inning game could take five hours if the Red Sox and Yankees end up playing, which, you know, obviously those games take way too long, but it is what it is. <laughs> so that, that's one of the reasons why I love baseball too, is because like you can't, like in football, right? You can you can take a kneel. In in the NBA, yeah, you guys both teams kind of know. 40 points, there's nothing we can do about it. Like let's just let's let's speed this up by not doing too much. Um but in baseball, like pitcher has to throw a strike over the plate. Like like there's there's literally nothing you can do in baseball to get out of that, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's one of the more interesting things about that sport to me is where those like that ha you have to get 27 outs that's the only way you can win a game is if you get 27 outs so it's always very interesting to me from that perspective and i think from a leadership perspective from a coaching perspective from a team te uh, teacher perspective all things that you're very familiar with mm -hmm. how do you how do you teach those types of lessons and mm -hmm. how do you accept those types of lessons and learn from them because sometimes that can be really difficult right you're really great at school you're really great in high school and then you go on to college and you're just kind of another number at that point unfortunately and it's not as easy as it was so how do you kind of utilize both sides of that um of that learning experience because both are very necessary in what you do mm -hmm. you know i think so much of it comes down to modeling that was the first word that like came to my mind when you were talking michael is just you know let's say as a coach or a teacher uh say as a teacher you know the lesson is completely bombing like teaching the war of 1812 is is dreadfully boring i will 
admit that now. Oh. I didn't enjoy it. Um, didn't they like burn the White House down in that one? There, you know, sure. Yeah, I mean, you're going to call that a highlight. I mean, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's it's got to be interesting, right? <laughs> yes. Know. My husband used to work uh, in the White House years ago when he took his grandmother and because she was in a wheelchair, they had to go on an elevator and they got to see the burn marks that are still in the see? kitchen. That's pretty cool. Uh, I didn't though, because oh, I right. had to walk the stairs. So, um, but side story, but um, you know, think about teaching and you know, like the lesson is just going off of the kids. Like, I cannot believe Miss Rawls is just, just dragging this thing out. I just be quiet. Can the period be over? Are we, are we done with this thing? But you have to kind of keep going and keep, you know, modeling that you care about this content, even if you don't, um, you have to keep going that um, it's important that, you know, you, you try hard, you know, even if it's something that you're not particularly interested in. Um, I had, you know, as a teacher, sometimes I would have students who really didn't like history. And I would say to them like, listen, like, I get it. You know, like you hate me, you hate life, you hate history, whatever it is that's going on. But if I can just give you this gift of helping you get through the class and get the credit, you know, and then go on to the do the things that you love to do. Um, you know, I think that's, my job here you know i'm not going to make you love history or really even like me and that's okay but can we make this deal that i'm going to get you through this so that you can go on and, and spend the time on the things that you really enjoy in life so i think that's um a lesson that you know can be that i've learned in sport and uh and that i've carried on to my students and so i guess what is it about teaching and coaching that you know obviously as you said you started as a sports writer uh, eventually went on to to be a teacher to be a coach in, in many different facets where did that come from? Was that always something that you wanted to do? Was that always something that you're like, hey, like I learned some things, might as well share that. War of 1812 is pretty boring, but people need to know about it. Like where where does that come from? Is that in your family? Is that just a, a personal thing that you've always wanted to do? Yeah, it's totally in my family. My mom is the first uh, person in our family to have a, earn a college degree. She graduated from Lowell State in Massachusetts in 1969. And she is still teaching today, Michael. She wow retired but she is subbing and she subs in a like a, an alternative high school in Lowell Massachusetts um, and so she just cannot let it go so I grew up with uh, you know the daughter of a teacher I'm married to a teacher I have cousins who are teachers so certainly it's like it's really in my blood um, and I was when I was a sports writer um, I actually I had initially thought I would major in education but then everyone's like, oh, you're going to be just like your mom. And I was like, oh, God, no. You know, I'm like 17. I'm like, no way. I'm not my mother. Um, so that's where this bin came into journalism because I do love to write. And, of course, I love sports. But um, I started writing and I also was coaching still. Um, and I began to really love the coaching more than I love the writing. And so I thought, well, what can I pair with this? I might as well be my mom and become a teacher. So, <laughs> Yeah, it usually does end up like that. Um, the more I look back, the more my parents were right. Whether I'll, I'll never tell that to their face. Like, we'll <laughs> not ever tell that to their face. But they were pretty much right, like, about everything. And it's very frustrating. Um, yeah. I can only imagine what it's going to be like on the other side of that. But we'll get there when we get there. I guess, um, what is it about? Why do history teachers always be? Why are they always the sports, like, coaches? Is that just, like, a thing? It like, is everywhere I've gone, right? It is such a thing. Like, the first school I taught at, like, I think five of the eight of history teachers were all coaches. So like the three who weren't were miserable at lunch because we would just break down our teams. So like ad nauseum, you know, and just like so-and-so and Olivia is not scoring. What am I going to do? And like, 
you know, things that no one should care about JV field hockey. Um, and like the other coaches would be so into it because I'd get into their seasons, like when they were on. So I don't, I don't know if there's just a, I don't know what the connection is, but there is one. I agree with that. <laughs> it's it's always everywhere I've been. It's always the history teacher. That's the coach. It's just mm -hmm. curious. I don't know if you had a little insight, but it seems like you guys are doing pretty well. Um, so one thing, so getting into kind of the, the teaching, the leadership, the writing a little bit more, you have a book coming out pretty soon. Uh, if make sure I please make sure I'm correct here. I have take your word for it. Sports cultivate world class leaders. Very excited to get to check that out. That should be dropping as the kids like to say in May. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about this book, why you wanted to write it? Why now? What, what happened in life that you're like, you know what? Here, now's the time to write a book. Like what, what, uh, what's going on with that? And tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah. Just had some extra time in my hands. No, sure, just kidding. Not, right? Um, <laughs> no, um, you know, I, so I did a PhD. So I went to, I got a chance to teach in Norway for a year. So I was teaching the U S Washington DC area up in my native Massachusetts. And I applied for a Fulbright and I'm a state school kid, Michael. So when I applied, I was like, I'm not going to get it. Uh, but my husband was like, you're going to apply, you're going to get it. You're going to go. And he was right. I like um, his positivity. Yeah, I, I do like too. <laughs> so I actually, he didn't come with me. So I moved to Norway for a year. He stayed in Massachusetts and taught and coached and, um, I had a great experience teaching in 50 different schools all over like the whole country. I traveled, my mom came over and got to do a little teaching, of course, you know? And so I came home and I was like, wow, like, I think I need to try some new things in my life. You know, I don't know that I can spend the rest of my life in a classroom. So I started picking away at a PhD and, um, two and a half years into the program, I had one course left and I was really focused on civics education. So back to the old history part. And I used to tell my students, like, listen, like, you know, again, like if you run into me in 10 years and you're like, I hated you, I hated your class, I get a real like <laughs> issue, but I vote. I'll be so happy that you that you vote because I think it's so important. Whoever you vote for, I don't even care as long as you can like, you know, understand yourself and explain it. I think it's wonderful. So I had this focus on civics education. In fact, I went to Ireland to study their, you know, mandatory civics education program. And I came back and there was a talk one night, a group of, um, international educators were talking about gender equity in their home countries. And that's something that's always been really interested to me because sports has always empowered me, I feel like as a female. And I went home and I thought, you know, civics education is cool, but like, I wouldn't be here talking with you right now because we would be done the conversation in about 12 seconds. Like, <laughs> um, but I thought I could talk about gender equity. I could talk about travel. I could talk about sports forever. So I went and talked to my advisor and I was like, I know I only have one course left before I start the whole dissertation research thing, but I don't want to do what I've been doing for two and a half years. I'm going to scrap it. And they were like, okay, sure. Like, seems like a good idea, Kathleen, like way to go. Good planning on your part, but I did it anyway. And so um, ended up working really well. So I went to Ethiopia, which is way cooler than what I had planned on doing. Um, I worked with a group called the Girls Gotta Run Foundation, and um, I spent several months um, in two locations. And the Girls Gotta Run Foundation basically saves girls who are headed towards child marriage. And so they provide education, funding, um, training for track. They have a life skills program. And I wanted to go to Ethiopia um, because I really wanted to know, like, you know, more about the best runners in the world and what does their training look like? And so um, 
I got to go there. They dropped me on their runs hardcore. <laughs> I'm like running through these fields and they're like crisscrossing. And I'm like, still here. Like, I'll get there eventually. Don't, you know, one girl stayed back one day so I wouldn't get lost. And she got in like such trouble with the coach. I felt terrible. Oh, I was no. so sorry. Like, it's all my fault. We're having a language translation issue, but I'm slow. How do I tell you that? Slow. Um, so anyway, I wrote my, what the focus for my research was one of the things I've always struggled with is voice, um, because I felt like if I had participated in sports that I would be the quietest person in the world possibly. But through sports, I was able to be a captain in high school, you know, and to be my own type of leader. And, and that led me to feel empowered to be a teacher and to lead classrooms and to be empowered to lead my teams. I mean, I, I've coached high school sports for 20 years. So, um, and I had looked through the literature and I didn't find any connections between sports, gender equity and voice. And so that was what I looked at. And I talked to those girls in Ethiopia and I said, you know, do you, do you feel like you have you know, greater voice empowerment because of your participation in sports and 100% said yes. And they talked a lot about being the most educated people in their families. They talked a lot about how they teach women about the science of menstruation and, and what women's bodies are actually like and not what they're told. So I wrote the dissertation, defended on the last in-person day in March 2020. It's a really long answer to your question. Oh, no. March 2020. Yeah. Lucky you got it in right under the gun, huh? Literally the last day. Whoa. We didn't know. March 6th, we went on to spring break and never came back. Um, and so I had originally, I was going to be going to higher ed. And um, I had been offered a couple of positions to be a professor. And to be honest, the money was half of what I'd make as a K through 12 teacher. And um, so I kind of thought about, okay, how can I pivot and reposition myself? And so um, I looked into this book program, Creator Institute, New Degree Press, which you are also familiar with because you are also an author. I'm a wannabe. You are already there. Um, and I decided to look at women. Rather, I, I talked to girls in voice empowerment sport, but I interviewed women and to see if they also felt empowered because of their participation in sport and their professional lives. So that's what the focus of the book is. That's incredible. I think I'm just taking that leap of faith in the beginning, right? Saying like, I actually don't want to do this anymore. I know I've done this for like two and a half years, but this kind of stinks. I don't want to do it anymore. Not that it stinks, but I don't want to do this anymore. I have better ideas. I have better things that I could possibly do. First off, that just takes a lot of guts. I think that's incredible. So shout out to you for that one. Usually when you bet on yourself in situations that make sense, it ends up turning out to be the right thing, right? Like, as you said, like you're much more passionate about this topic and empowering yeah. females through sports, through leadership. I mean, obviously that's such a such a cool topic to get to talk about and hey, that's why we're here today. So I think that's pretty awesome. But it's definitely something that I think is really important. And one thing, so I'm kind of curious, just like just general thoughts, as I said, this is gonna be very back and forth. So we're just gonna mm -hmm. kind of go off the top here. One thing, uh, you know, I've spoken to people that, that focus on um, women in sports a lot and it usually ends up being less about women in sports and more about girls in sports because so many females stop playing sports at like 12 13 years old right like they go they get to high school essentially and it's just like well you know I, there, there, there's less rec leagues there's less you know uh i guess recreational time to do that kind of thing so like how is that the first step just trying to keep women in sports longer so that they can develop some more of these skills because i think like that's I, and again these aren't my words these are just things i've heard from other incredible people i've had on the show like that's one of the biggest problems is that 
by that time, right, like me, like I played rec baseball and then I played high school and then, you know, I played, you know, my beer league softball league when I was like 19, but we didn't drink beer yet, you know, like, so we did all that kind of stuff. And I feel like there's, there's fewer of those types of maybe opportunities for women. How do you kind of view that aspect of it? Because I think, right, look, the longer we can keep girls playing sports, just the more better things that are going to happen, right? Yeah, I think you touched on like a lot of a lot of topics, you know, the first is, you know, how do we keep girls in sport? Because you're right, like the research says 12, 13, this is where the big drop off is. Um, I think that one thing to look at is the emphasis on what it means to be an athlete. And I think that needs to change to be more inclusive. Um, what is in a it sense. Like, well, it? yeah, so I think now, I would use the first word that comes to mind is competition, you know, that you need to be very competitive to be an athlete. And I think a lot of girls, the research I've found is that they're not really raised to think of themselves as being competitive, you know? Um, and so, well, I'm not a competitive person. I've had these conversations. Um, you know, I've taught actually like pre-K to, to graduate school. So I've seen worked with a lot of age groups. And so when I talk with these, you know, younger girls, they say, you know, I don't see myself as competitive. I'm, you know, I'm not good at sports. And part of me thinks, well, yeah, sure. There's, there's people who are naturally inclined to be athletic, whether it's their energy, whether it's their genes, you know, it's their family dynamics. But I think, you know, you know, like, a lot of sport is practice. <laughs> a lot of sport is going in there and like, frankly, sucking for a while and then figuring out, I kind of like this or I'm kind of good at this. So I've found a coach who believes in me. My teammates are super cool and I'm going to stay with it. And I think that there is a lot more that goes into sport that we don't emphasize. Um, I coached, I've coached high school, but I also coached a little girls basketball team. Um, near Springfield, Massachusetts, a home, you know, a basketball and grades three through five. And my team got trounced the one year I coached. I actually was asked to coach. It was an ecumenical girls basketball team that St. Elizabeth and Seton Tidal Waves rolls Ooh, right off the tongue. That really does. The title, the title <laughs> waves in Massachusetts, all, <laughs> all seven of them. Anyway. <laughs> and I, they asked me because they wanted a, a female coach. And they said, we would like, it's always dads and they do a great job, but can we, we, they would love a female leader. So I said, yes. And I was already coaching three high school teams. And I was like, sure. At a fourth sounds perfect. But I learned a lot from that season. And so much of what I emphasized was just about self-improvement, you know, you know, getting to know the girls and figure out what is it that they want to improve on? Where are they at? Um, and I didn't emphasize winning. And I think for the competitive girls, you know, I pushed them to challenge themselves and to who had already played basketball to be better. But some of them, I remember one girl, you know, she didn't dribble until February, you know, like last couple of weeks of the season, she didn't dribble in a game and she got the ball and she dribbled like twice. And she's looking at me in the sideline, like, look at me. And I'm like, whoa, you know? So I think, you know, the first thing is to, you know, just to, broaden the scope of what it means to be an athlete look that it's okay to get out and just have some fun and and if you're not competitive like it i feel like you just kind of get weaned out of the system so to speak but let's keep those numbers up you know let's make that a goal of ours so i think for young girls sorry go ahead no no no. i was gonna say i think like that's that is such a great point because like i'm not very good and i'm not really a competitive person it's just something to do like my wife and i we just decided last year it was just like i like hitting things with other things do you want to like just 
play tennis like we don't know what we're doing we're terrible at it we use the entire court but it's just me and her and a couple of our friends and it's just something to do it's fun to get out it's fun to kind of challenge yourself a little bit like can i do this like how do you put spin on a ball i don't know freaking see if i can figure it out like so we just do that out of just pure fun and like just activity especially with the pandemic everyone being inside for as long as we were um I had a great time. I feel like weird saying it, but I had an absolute blast. Like I just hung out my with my wife for like a year and a half. Like it really wasn't mm-hmm. that big a deal. Um, but I think like just those types of things made me kind of realize like you need to get out. You need to do something like sitting inside. Mm-hmm. Like the winter kind of does it for me because I hate being cold. And mm-hmm. that's why I love spring and summer because I want to be outside constantly. So that's why I don't know why I live here in New Jersey other than my fam and family. But it's really nothing I could do about it at this point. It's just <laughs> like I like how... And I don't know, maybe you did research on this. Maybe you did figure it out. How do we kind of change that perception of sports to be competitive, to be like you need to be the best at this or, you know, you're wasting your time versus like, hey, man, like you don't have to play at the highest level. Like you could just do this for fun on weekends. Like go play a pickup basketball game with some random people at the gym. Like how like I feel like that's more of maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that's more of a male inclined thing to do. How have you seen that in, in the female space? Is that changing? How do you, have you done research on that? Is there anything that we can start to do collectively as just a society just to get people to be like, yeah, just, just who cares? Like, just have fun. That's all we're here to do. Yeah. I think, you know, if we're looking at like adults, you know, if we're kind of jumping some age groups here, um, it's, it's definitely true. You know, like the, the field hockey league that I talked about earlier, like our games are at like 8.50 and 9.45 on Tuesday Ooh, nights. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I'm in bed by 9.45 yeah. on Tuesday nights. <laughs> Good for you. But I say that because we're obviously not getting the prime times in the uh, in the league, you know, or not in the league, but, you know, in the facility that we, we play in. And it is a really, you know, last night we had to bring the ringer in because um, everyone's having children or they're home with children. And so that's a different thing for women, you know, is that like physically they cannot play field hockey, you know, like eight months pregnant. It's just not sticks and balls. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of things. I'm not a doctor, but probably not a good, you are a doctor. We haven't brought that up. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, no, we talked about the PhD. Never mind. I apologize. We're not a medical doctor. So yes. So like that is definitely a hindrance, you know, for a lot of the women, you know, that I I can always picture my teammate, Allie, like she's running in with like her red shirt on, like the kids wouldn't go to bed. We're like, just get on the court. You know, it's fine, Allie. You're our sweet, you know, you're good. So, but I think, um, you know, one of the sports that has become really inclusive is running. And it's a place that um, I kind of pride myself in being a three sport athlete in high school with field hockey, basketball, and softball, but I do a lot of running. In fact, I have a, a running streak right now over a thousand days. I don't know, a thousand twenty something. And I run outdoors all year here in Massachusetts. So like, you. you know, that miserable weather, but I think the running community has become more inclusive. Um, not for everyone, but certainly it's something that I learned um, in high school when I was coaching, I actually was my husband's assistant coach. He's a big track guy. He ran at Bucknell. He's from Pennsylvania and all over the country. And that's his, like, he's a girls track coach now. And that's his real, he loves it. Uh, That's his favorite thing that he does. And when we're taught and coached at Northampton high school in Massachusetts, where Smith college is, um, 
the school is really inclusive uh, with, with students of other abilities. So I had a lot of students with Downs and autism in the classroom, and turns out that these students were phenomenal athletes, super competitive in Special Olympics. And so they ended up competing on the high school team um, and great athletes, great competitors, still competing today. I talk with several of them, one of them every day still. <laughs> um, it's been 15 years since I had him in the classroom. But I think what I learned from track is that we could find ways um, for people to compete, you know, whatever it is that they're interested in, whatever their ability was, that we were going to find an event for them. Um, the cool part at, at Northampton High, I do want to give a shout out to the, their teammates, is their teammates were like, coach, she doesn't want to do the 100 and the 200. She wants to do long jump and go through the shot put. And it was like, how do you know that? You know, like, how did you, like one of the students was a selective mute. And I was like, she told you that? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, great. We will put sure. her in those events. But, you know, there was a way to include everybody and a way for everyone to feel part of the team and to contribute to the team. And so as I've gotten older, it is hard to find places for women to compete. But running is a way to do that because you can get out there and run. You can walk. I think um, one of the things I love about it is I follow a lot of professional female runners on Instagram. That's like my thing. And they are so inclusive about like just being your best. They're so honest about their injuries. They're honest about, you know, like their downtimes. And I think, you know, if you're someone who wants someone who's real, like those are athletes that have been, I think, great role models for anyone at any speed, at any level. Yeah. And that's so true, right? Like just because you're female doesn't mean you can't be faster than, you know, me, right? Like it's just, you know, so I think that's really interesting. I never kind of thought, I, I always think, uh, running is always the punishment in every other sport. It's never mm -hmm. like the sport. So it's always kind of difficult. So I will be a little facetious <laughs> here and say running sucks. So is yeah. there any other sport that we could do mm -hmm. that's more inclusive? Like, <laughs> like, like, is there anything else that we could kind of all agree yes. upon is fun? But no, I, of course, I'm, I'm curling. Curling, curling is something, uh, I think. Weirdly enough, my, my boss at my work just joined a curling club here in uh, Plainfield, New Jersey. So it's coming around. It's mm -hmm. coming around. But We're no, in all sincerity, say it again. Said we're on to something here, Michael. Hey, we're throwing out the curling. Look at that. We'll figure it out, Kathleen. That's why we do this thing. But no, I think it's it is really interesting. And and so I guess then kind of tying it back, uh, you know, it's it's surprise, surprise, when you were in Ethiopia, you met all those girls that ran. Would you look at that? And now what you're doing, I think, you know, just connecting all these dots here. Like how how do you see that, right? So like help me understand a little bit more. When I see a woman's basketball team or, or a basketball team, there's a huddle, there's there's a play, you know, people are getting pumped up. Let's do this. Where does that leadership, where does that empowerment come from in a like on a track team? Because any track events I've ever been to or witnessed, it seems like everyone's kind of doing their thing. There's a bunch of stuff going on at once and I don't know, there's like a fake gun that gets fired off. Like where where does that leadership, where does that empowerment come from from a sport like that? Specifically because, you know, it was something that you 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 had the opportunity to see in, in a completely other country, not only just here in the United States. Yeah. It all is in the fake gun, Michael. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Everyone loves a good cap gun, Colleen. Oh, <laughs> Kathleen, sorry. Yeah. No, it's a really good question. And something I had to adapt to coming from like kind of like the more team sport ish traditional team sports. So um, I think one of the the key parts is to to know what your teammates goals are. And if you know what your teammates goals are, you can look across the track and say, 
you know, she just jumped 15 feet in a long jump, in the long jump, or she's going to come over and tell me that. And she's achieved that goal. She's moving the team forward. She's moving herself forward. That's really empowering. Um, part of knowing what your teammates are doing is being able to set a goal and to voice that goal. And that's huge, you know, to say, this is what I want to achieve. That's That can be a really big hurdle for lack of a better word for a lot of people is to be vocal and to be public about their goals. So you can do that in track, you know, that's something that a coach can do. You know, it's something actually my husband has taught me about track is to build that community. Um, one of the things he would do, you know, after a meet is the next day he would have a, a sheet and he would have everyone's results. And some of the kids would be, you know, the usual kids in the top 10 list, you know, they reset the school record in the 1500, whatever. But he also would highlight, you know, all the personal records or the personal bests. And so like, Michael, you may be the slowest guy on the team, but like you ran the fastest you've ever run. And, and now we all know, and it was awesome. I saw you come in last in the hundred and it was awesome because you ran your best. <laughs> and to build that community and to say, hey, you know, like we're, we're all moving forward. Maybe you don't score any points for the team, but by you coming out here and giving your best at practice and showing it in a meet, we're all on the same page. We're all working towards that same goal. We're all contributing towards that goal because, you know, you know, being part of a baseball team that if you've got three or four guys that are not really bringing it every day, that bring a poor attitude, that are like too good for the team and not trying that hard, you know how that can bring a team down. So there are ways to do that in track. That's really interesting. Yeah, I never did track because, again. Not a big, I'm a big walking guy. Love going on walks. I, in the summer, I'll walk like three times a day. I absolutely love it. Running, not so much. Um, I do run a 5K every year on my birthday. Um, the same, it's like the last like three miles of the New York City Marathon. I have a friend that gets us in. So we get to cross the finish line and everything. So that's always fun. But that's that's the extent of my running for the year. So I guess I'm kind of curious, going back to the book a little bit, one more time, take your word for it. Sports mm -hmm. Cultivate World Class Athlete, uh, World Class Leaders written by Dr. Kathleen Rawls. Um, how do you, what is your plan with the book? Like that, yeah. that was always something, again, I went through the Creators Institute, incredible, incredible people. I've had a, multiple friends. I've got them into the, I introduced them to Professor Coster. They've written books. It's been absolutely incredible. Um, and that was always the one thing. I honestly just kind of did it for fun. It was like the height of the pandemic. I had literally nothing else to do. I was like, you know what? kind of cool to write a book. I don't know. I got a bunch sitting upstairs. It was kind of fun. I've had some speaking gigs since it's, as I told you before, I want to become a teacher. So that's, I don't know. It seems like that's one of those checklist things you need to become a teacher uh, or a professor in some capacity, but what's like, what's the goal with this book? Say like what, what mm -hmm. it, after it comes out in May when it absolutely crushes the presale and you, you make millions of dollars because mm -hmm. you know, that's how authors work now. Yep. What, what's, what's the next step? Like, what are you trying to accomplish with being able to put that out into the universe and saying, Hey, like, I know a lot about this. Mm -hmm. You should come ask me about it or let me tell you about it at least. Yes. So I'm also creating my own company. So it's called Kathleen Rawls LLC. And, um, it's Where a female that? empowerment. Where, where's that idea come from? Where's the name come from? I'm curious. I know. It's just like, something that just like came to me. It was Man, crazy. Incredible. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just so surprised. <laughs> Uh, I know it's just the creativity is amazing over here. Um, no, so I'm creating a company, female empowerment. It's a public speaking and consulting business and just actually starting at the spring. And so a lot of what I'm talking about, a lot of the research from the book, it goes hand in hand with my keynote talks. 
uh, about how women can empower the lessons that they learn in sport, whatever level they competed at or participated in, uh, whatever sport that they loved, um, how do they translate those lessons to be successful in their professional lives? So I'm using, you know, the book will come out in May. It's an extension of my doctoral research. And uh, now I'm also going to be part of my public speaking business is to say, hey, if you enjoyed, you know, my talk with your business, your organization, then you can buy my book as well. So um, it's part of my my business plan. Love it. That's fantastic. And I think it's very important um, for that information to get out there, right? Because there are mm -hmm. so many women in sports. There are so many women that, that could take advantage of this type of uh, just this, the knowledge, the information. And also, I'm pretty sure you started this saying that you were an introvert and now you own a public speaking business. So I, are yeah. you lying? Like, I'm not going to call you a liar, but none of this is adding up right now, Kathleen. I'm just going to, just gonna <laughs> you know, it's why I studied voice for my research is because it's something that I have to work at. I love it. See, there yeah. you go. Challenge yourself every day. Be comfortable getting uncomfortable. <laughs> that's always that's that's the cliche. So I guess I'm also kind of curious. Well, first, where can we pre-order it? How like how can I go about finding the book now? I'm more of a um, Kindle guy. So can mm -hmm. I buy it? Like, can I get it on Kindle, like Amazon store or anything? It will be in May. Okay. Yep. Perfect. To be able to purchase it on Amazon. Perfect. So that's well, I'll get it. Why should I buy the book? I'm mm -hmm. not a woman. <laughs> so, uh, that, that's it. That's my statement. Why should I buy the book? Like, what is it like legitimately? What is it in for me? Why, why should, what should, what, what, what kind of knowledge would I get out of this that would potentially add value to me and what I'm doing in my personal life on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Sure. You know, um, it comes back to, you know, do you work with women? Do you yes. live with women? <laughs> do yes. you have friends who are women? Yes. Uh, okay, good. So Perfect. we're... <laughs> So um, a lot of what um, the book focuses on um, is how to work together and how to work in teams. And so even if you don't identify as a woman, you can certainly benefit from understanding how to work better on teams that have women because, you know, maybe you only you never participated in track, as you said, Michael. And, you know, a lot of times the boys and girls track teams practice together and they get to work together. But, um, you know, how to be a better, you know, it's just how to be a better teammate. Uh, and awesome. how to, you know, create space for others, how to recognize, you know, how to empower others. So the focus is on women because this is a particular area of struggle for them, um, for us, but um, certainly men can benefit from it as well. Um, yeah, it sounds like a lot of great information that many, many people can take advantage of uh, just to just to learn and understand, right? I, I always think that's a really interesting one, like perspective, like walk a mile in someone else's shoes, yada, 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 that kind of stuff. And it's always interesting when you hear people talk just about, oh, that person had it so lucky. And just on generalities, like you have literally no idea how that person had it. You're just seeing them in this one instance, in this one moment. So it's, it's probably best to understand just your point of view. And, and you know, I'm sure the point of view of many of the incredible people that you did have the opportunity to have in the book. And just understand where other people are coming from, because I think learning someone else's experiences can kind of shed light on what other people are going through, which I think is important, but also maybe potentially shed light on some of the stuff you are going through as the reader as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, I identify as someone who's kind of a quiet introvert, but I one of the women I interviewed was my college roommate, uh, a woman named Lauren O'Malley, girl from Boston who lives in um, Ireland in the north now. Whoa, and, yeah, she really she went was, hardcore to that. That's awesome. Good for her. Lauren O'Malley, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, Kathleen with the red hair. We're like perfect, same <laughs> height. We're like dream roommates. The most extrovert, extroverted person that I know. 
Um, and a credible athlete, she has, you know, climbs, attempted K2, Mount Everest, uh, South America, Kilimanjaro for her 40th birthday. Um, she does open water swims now. Mm-hmm. So she's doing, she wants to do all, I think there are eight channels, great channels. I don't know. No, no, no. But there's a lot of really rough water out there that she wants to swim through. And so she's an incredible athlete. She's a mother of two boys. Um, and she, you know, she works in the Belfast prison. So she's a woman who is uh, in a gender minority situation on a daily basis. And she was really interesting. She shared, you know, as she's getting older into her 40s, she said, you know, everyone looks to me to talk. You know, if there's someone, someone needs to speak up, they like push me forward and say, Lauren, you know, you're the one, you can do this. And she's like, I know I can, you know, I'd be really short-sighted if I didn't see that in myself, but I've actually been able to learn more from taking a step back. And the first opportunities I'm able to do that is because I'm still an athlete. So she talked about, you know, she did a lot of mountaineering in her 20s and 30s, and now she's getting into swimming. And it's something she actually did the Sublime Marathon, too. It's 156 miles across the Sahara Desert in six days. Yeah, it's insane. So, um, yeah, she does. She's amazing. But she she talked about how sport has allowed her because she's trying all these new like competitions, these Mm -hmm. endeavors. She's like, I don't know everything. So, you know, I can't be, yeah, sure, I, I'm loud and I can talk and I can lead that way, but like, I'm not learning. And it's been a great lesson for her to step back and say, you've done the Sublime Marathon. Tell me everything you know about it. Because they actually have to carry everything that they're going to eat for the entire competition. So for like, she has six days of food, that water and the whole bit. So not water, but everything else. Um, you know, she's doing these, she does a lot of uh, team swim competitions with other women. And these women are really accomplished. They've been swimming a really long time. And they're like, Lauren, what should we do? And she's like, this isn't my field, you know? And so she's learning the words to use to say, like, you tell us, like, you're the expert, you know, like, this isn't my strength. And so, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of lessons to be learned from trying out different styles of leadership and taking, you know, a look at situations and saying, like, how can I be- actually benefit from this? Because she sees it as a benefit. Yeah, I, I could only imagine. I mean, it's incredible that these other women who have been doing things for so long still look up to her. And that, that's really the power of confidence, right? That's the power of empowering and, and being a leader. I think that's absolutely incredible. So shout out uh, to mm-hmm. your incredible college roommate. Yeah, just <laughs> going really hard. O'Malley moving back to the motherland. That's incredible. But, <laughs> Kath- Kathleen, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so, so much for your time. Where can we find out more information on the book? Where can we follow you on your social medias? Find out more about your business. Lay it all down. I will put everything in the show notes for everybody in case they missed it. But let me know because, um, yeah, spell it out. It might be easier for us. Okay, sure. So first place for my business is my name, KathleenRawls.com. Um, you can also check out my Instagram, uh, KathleenRawls LLC is my business. Um, and find me on LinkedIn. Those are the three major places that um, I painfully, uh, you know, post things on because, you know, as introvert, like posting on social media is uh pretty big endeavor <laughs> yeah i hate social media it's such a you terrible place. just a terrible place i try and I, I on my phone everything's limited to like five minutes pretty much this is like yep. 
All right, after that, it goes dark and you can't use it anymore. But I think that's incredible. I will put everything down there. Sincerely appreciate it. Very excited for the book. That is going to be so much fun. Definitely excited to learn. I'm almost finished with the book I'm reading now. So I think by the time May, maybe not almost finished. I'm about halfway done. So by the time we get to May, I think ordering another book will be perfect time. So Kathleen, this has been incredible. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and everybody giving me a little bit of your time because it's the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you very mm -hmm. much for that. But other than that, I hope everybody just has just a wonderful rest of their day. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank Bye, you everybody. so much, Michael. <laughs> Pleasure's all mine. Thank you.